connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. What is AOC? What is community media? Maybe these are small questions, but they have big answers. So big, in fact, that we had to make a whole podcast about just that. The short answer is in our mission statement. Building an informed and engaged community through media, technology, and education. AOC member Russell Cormier has completed a new album that is centered around love. Find out who the inspiration was behind his songwriting in this week's podcast edition of Community Quotes. Okay, Russell, thank you so much for joining us today for Community Quotes. If I can have you say and spell your first and last name for us. Uh, thank you for having me. My name's Russell Cormier, C-O-R-M-I-E-R. Very good. And this is a second installment of Community Quotes. So Correct. we're just going to continue kind of where we left off last year on our Community Quotes segment. Uh, what I'd like you to do is describe for me a typical day in your life. Typical day. Yeah. You wake up, up and what happens? Get up at 5 a.m. and smell coffee. I love coffee. <laughs> Drink some coffee in the morning. Uh, I pray or read my Bible. I try to read it every morning. Get some inspiration on life. And, um, uh, and I go to work. Mm-hmm. Where do you work? I work at the city of Broussard. Okay. Uh, what do you I do? I cut grass. You cut grass. And other stuff. We do a little bit of everything. Yeah. But my main job is to uh, cut grass with a weed eater. I weed eat. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, I've been doing that almost 15 years now. Okay. Been okay. there. I used to work at a boy's home raising uh, uh, foster kids. Oh. I did that for 13 years uh, also. What was that yeah. like? Uh, it was great. Two of them still following me. They worked with me at the city of Broussard. I met them when they were little kids. They were like, uh, one was 13 and one was maybe 14 or whatever. And now they're grown men with their own houses and their own families and they, who so would have thought, well. yeah, who would have thought they're married and yeah, and they got this and they still follow me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they pesky, but yeah. I, I love them. Did you enjoy you know. that being a mentor to someone? It was great. It's addictive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, you don't see it when you're inside. Uh, I saw it back in retrospect after they closed the group home down and, you know, and, and uh, I wasn't working there anymore. I saw more of it then, but I saw a lot while I was inside too, you know, and you, mm-hmm. you become addictive. My kids used to uh, ask my, my wife when she was alive, they used to say, uh, where's dad? Uh, oh, he's with his other kids, his <laughs> other family, you know, and we became a family because uh, we used to do things with them that their parents didn't do with them and sometimes invite them into our lives to, ha- to be part of our lives to show them what family was. You right. know? So yeah, it was a cool experience. I dug it. Good. Did yeah, you uh, show them uh, some of your musical you know, talents oh, as yeah. far as songwriting? Yeah, we used to take them to uh, tips. <laughs> some of them were aspiring rappers, you know, yeah. all the young kids today, they want to rap. And when tips was open downtown, we used to take them to tips and uh, let them get in there on a microphone and do, uh, learn how to work uh, 
Pro Tools and different things like that, you mm -hmm. know, learn uh, the video stuff. Right. All kinds of, whatever, you know, tips had to offer, you know, we brought them down there. And, um, you know, some of them were pretty musically inclined. They were pretty good, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and then they, they liked me as a musician, you know. They, they didn't, um, our languages are confused, so they don't understand some of them, our music, and like we don't understand theirs, you know. Right. You right. know, they could put on a song and I can't understand not one word. And the same thing, you know, with yeah. me, I can, and they don't understand it. It's just because it's just different cultures and it's different, mm -hmm. you know, it's nothing bad, it's just different. What type of music do you like to listen to? Um, reggae music is my, probably my favorite music, but mm -hmm. as of lately, this is why this change is coming along is because now I'm at this change point in my life to where uh, I want to stop and show people that I'm not just a reggae artist. Mm -hmm. I'm just a musician. I'm just a guitar player, rhythm guitar player. Uh, I'm a songwriter who writes any kinds of song mm -hmm. of any genre of music. When we grew up here in Lafayette, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have reggae radio. We didn't have, uh, hell, we didn't have R&B radio. We had rock and roll radio. So I grew up listening to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. So rock and roll is a big part of my life. I mean, I grew up listening to it, and I've incorporated rock and roll into a lot of, you know, the music and the things that I do. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like ballads. Uh, of course, I like funk because I grew up in the 70s listening to uh, Parliament and the Isley Brothers yeah. and um, Bootsy Collins, you know, <laughs> stuff like that, you know. That, I want to, uh, the well-roundedness of my listening, mm -hmm. uh, I want to put into this next album that I'm doing in playing, in okay. writing, my writing skills. Uh, I'm fresh off of uh, the Solo Fest came here this year for the first time. Right. Uh, South Louisiana Songwriters Festival. Okay. And they invited me. I was a part of it, and I was so, like, I was like, wow, me, little old me. And I found out that I was somebody here. <laughs> oh, really? What that is people... Solo Fest? Solo Fest is South Louisiana. It's a songwriters festival. Right. Where, fest... where songwriters come from all over. The... There were songwriters from England, New York. They were from all over the place. And they come here and converge. And it's like a retreat. So it's like a whole week of us getting together. All day long, we get together early in the morning, we have breakfast together, mm -hmm. we pair off in groups, and we go write a song. Three people, me, you, and Jacob, we never met before. And we go sit down and we'll write a song. You play country and western, I do reggae, Jacob does rock and roll. And wow. the three of us write a song together. Well, I bet and that would be interesting. Yeah, that's what we did. <laughs> and then we perform it that night. Nice. And we performed at different venues. We performed at Dockside the first night. Uh, the warehouse, another night, uh, what's the place, Carpe Diem with uh -huh. the piano in front uh, right. one night, the church one night, wow, I did reggae in the church, that was cool. <laughs> um, and then we did the festival on the Saturday, but it was cool because I met songwriters who do this professionally every day. I go to work, I cut grass. These people go write songs. And they invited me to go in their world, and it was cool. It was something that I love to do, write songs. Yeah. And so I learned a lot about writing songs yeah. from that. You can and make was, some good connections. And I made and some good connections. How did you get inspired from new people? Right? I got inspired. The, the, the Love album, my new album, 
the first single we released not too long ago is doing pretty good. What, called, what's, what is the name of the song? Uh, it's called it? Feel So Good. Okay. Yeah, it's on um, iTunes, Spotify, it's everywhere. Okay. Uh, right. The video's on YouTube. And, um, of course, uh, the video's on AOC somewhere. Mm -hmm. somewhere. And um, the first single did real good. Um, but every song on the album is going to be about love. Okay. The album before was called Opposite People. It was real dark because we were going through dark times. And so, and I was going through some dark times in my life. The world was going through some dark times. Mm -hmm. And so the album came out dark. Okay. And so... Um, I kind of sat down after I went to the Songwriters Festival and stuff, and I said to myself, you know, we owe it to the world not to give in to this hate thing. Because a lot of people, you know, they continually hate every day. But we, as human beings, should try to show love mm -hmm. for the people who try to show love back yeah. to us. We, we owe that, you know, to each other to show love and not to be like these people who hate. Because if we do, then we're just like them. Right. And so I said, you know what, I'm going to do something about love. And so every song, I talked to my producer, Chad, and he said, Russ, that's a great idea. And so we've been working on that ever since. And every song of different genres, all about love. And it's, it's like, it's great. Because the world, the system doesn't want me to be sitting here, a black man, and you, a white lady, interviewing me, and I'm of importance to be like, why is this white lady interviewing this black man of importance? That's the way the mentality of the world, the hatred of the world. Mm -hmm. And they don't want us to live together. They don't want us to live together, black, white, mm -hmm. Chinese, whatever, Mexican. You know, they, they want us to continue the war, to hate each other so that they can live in peace. And I think that's real sad. So it made me sad. And I wrote that dark album about it, the real yeah. sad album. So I said, you know what? It didn't work. It worked, but it didn't work. Mm -hmm. So my new weapon is love. So I'm going to write every song about love, and that's going to be my weapon against all this hatred and all this foolishness of the world because it's only a small, small portion that's doing it to the, the masses of us who yeah. really just want love and peace, but they're more powerful than us. Because they have more money, they have more media, they have more, right. you know, than us. So we got to use whatever little strengths that we have, and we got to try to make uh, make it our strength. Yeah, make love our strength. Very uplifting, um, and I think that's a good inspirational <coughs> message to send and to put out there to the future generations. Yes, exactly. Who are some people that were a positive influence on your life? My mom and my dad were like the, you know, the closest because they were hardworking, you know, they were sons and daughters of slaves, you know, and, um, you know, they told me that story and how they came up and it would make me sad, you know, to hear, you know, some of the things that they did, but they did the things that they did so that we could have, as children, we were a lot of kids, 11 kids, and they did the things that they did so that we could have a better life than they had. Mm -hmm. And I tried to do the same thing, you know, with my children. And um, my mom and my dad, you know, they were great uh, inspirations to me. Um, my wife, Stephanie, she passed away. She was the picture of love. Mm -hmm. She just, everybody loved her. Oh. You know, she was just, she took care. She was like everybody's mom. Mm -hmm. You know, she would bring kids home from the 
school and different places and be like, look, babe, this is the, who is this now, Stephanie, that I got to feed? You know, you know, she'd bring people to the house, but she was, you know, and, you know, sometimes you don't see it when you're in it. Mm-hmm. You have to, sometimes we got, sadly, sometimes we got to lose to learn. Yeah. And to win. So and is she the motivation behind this, the Love album? She's the motivation behind everything I do these days. And yes, she's one of the motivations. Um, she and, like I say, the state of the world. The state of the world because they don't want us to love each other. And, mm-hmm. and we should. We should love each other. If, if a person, no matter what genre, no matter what race, no matter what loves you, then you should love them back. If they're kind to you, then you should be kind to them back. If they respect you, you should respect respect them back, you know? I think that's what we should. If we, first of all, treat everybody as human, man, woman, and child, first and foremost, treat everybody as human, the rest will work itself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the bottom line. And that's what's not being done a lot of times is we're not, we're not treating each other as humans. We're not looking at each other as human beings and as, as people. We're looking at each other as objects or um, materials or, you know, we're looking at each other at the wrong thing, you know, through hateful eyes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I'm on that love trip, you know. Well, good. And it sounds like um, that's going to be a really good positive album. And it's nice to see that positive message out there. Mm-hmm. Russell, what is your idea of happiness? Whoa. I've never been happy my whole life. I tell people that all the time. Oh, come on. You just, you said you're 58 years old. You had to have, even if it's just one happy day or what was a happy moment in your life? I I have happy moments. Drinking coffee. I like coffee. (laughs) (laughs) I like coffee. Looking for more than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) Seeing my grandkids that I would live long enough to have grandkids. I had a young, uh, crazy, juvenile life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was not the uh, most lawful person in the world. Okay. You know, um, but I survived it. Mm-hmm. Um, I survived the uh, addiction days of drugs and alcoholism. I still drink, but I mean, I'm not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. I drink socially. Uh, but I survived those things and um, who would have thought Russ got grandkids? Yeah. Yeah, I got two girls, two grandkids, and I love them. And, you know, to see them happy uh, and my kids, to see my kids grown mm-hmm. and living on their own and doing their own thing, that's one of the most beautiful things in the world, I think, for a parent, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of them. I hope they see this so that I can tell them I love y'all and I'm proud of, you know, the things that the uh, people that y'all become and how my oldest daughter raises her kids and how she takes care of her life. That's a great thing. She's the only one with kids. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's, for me, that's my happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and besides that would be making other people happy through music. If I could write one song that would make the whole world sing, mm-hmm. that would be the ultimate happiness for me. Sure. Sure. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm a songwriter. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you could change anything about yourself, what would you change? If anything at all. Um, today I'm I'm pretty peaceful. Mm-hmm. And 
um, I think God has granted me peace on all sides from my enemies. You know, I love my life now, you know, but I would change some things about my past. Maybe, you know, I you would have a few regrets. Yes. Yeah. I would undo some things. And then we go back to that woman again who drives my life from mm -hmm. heaven or place where she is. You know, I would undo some things, you know, that I did that, you know. But I mean, it was just all part of his plan and all part yeah. of his thing. You know, I like girls, mm -hmm. you know, and I just be real about it. You know, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, you know, men say, oh, well, you know, I like her. and But that's them. And me, I'm just different. I like girls and mm -hmm. girls like me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I try to deal with that like that, you know, and try to be fair and respectable, you know, mm -hmm. to, you know, women and whoever I was dealing with or am dealing with, you know, mm -hmm. and I think at times, you know, I just wasn't pretty fair, you know, yeah. to my wife. So yeah. if I had to change some things, I would go back and probably change some of that. Yeah. But I mean, as far as today, like, I mean, I'm, I'm cool. I like, I like this peaceful place God has put me in. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not rich, but I'm rich with peace. A guy asked me the other day, he said, I, I was helping him with something, and he said, uh, he said, I said, is there anything else I can do for you? He said, yeah, if you got a couple of million bucks, you know, you could give me, you know, a couple of million bucks. I said, no, I ain't got a million bucks, but I could give you some peace of mind if you got that. I'm rich with that. You know, yeah, yeah, I like, yeah. I like peace was important for me to attain after um, morning because I mourn way past the morning period. How long ago had your wife passed away? Almost 10 years. Okay. And it's still like yesterday. Oh. So, you know, so I mourned way longer than, I mean, it was just, we had been together since we were kids. Oh. Um, when I met her, I was 16, she was 14. And... Um, what attracted you to her? Uh, she was funny. She used to run home, her and her brother, every day after school. And I tell my partner Spence, we were staying on the corner every uh, day. It was our little corner spot where we do our little thing. And uh, and I said, Spence, them people run home every day when they get off the bus. What is they running for? And I found out later on when I, you know, got into the family, they were running to see who get home first to eat. <laughs> so the other one wouldn't leave the other. She like food. The other one, no, the other one. The first person would lock the second one outside. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and, and would be eating in the in the window while the other one was inside looking. So, yeah. So, and then that just got my attention. I said, Why does that little girl run every day? And so I took her to the store, and that was our first date. And I bought us up to eat to the little corner store in the in the neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. And that's how it started, so, you know. How did cool. you ask her to marry you? I don't know. I think she made me marry <laughs> No, I, I'm serious. I think she did. We were like friends and, you know, like real, really in love with each other, like intense, you know. You know, mm -hmm. you know that they call that puppy love, but this was like a little, this was like uh, pit bull love. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a little bit more than puppy. And, yeah. um I think she just said, uh, hey, we're going to get married, if I remember right. Now, old age is catching up with me here, but I think that's what happened. And anyway, I think I said, yeah, because I was scared. I was like, okay, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I wasn't quite ready. I won't even sit here and lie. I wasn't ready, but that's what she wanted to do. You know, sometimes us guys, we got to do what a girl want to do. Yeah, yeah. And so I did it, and 
we had our trials and tribulations and our ups Every and downs. Every couple does. Mm -hmm. and, but when we got it right, we got it right. Mm -hmm. And it was cool and it was smooth sailing and it was, it was beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. it was beautiful. Yeah. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Or what advice do you like to give to people? Uh, the friend of mine's dad says it best. Just do what's right. And I like that saying. Mm -hmm. And so I try to pass that on to people. His, his dad says that all the time, tells that to them. And he'll tell me, he said, you know, Russ, my dad, like my dad always says, just do what's right. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, like I say, that's part of treating a person as human or treating life, you know, the way it's supposed to be treated, doing what's right. Mm -hmm. Or at least having it in your mind to want to do what's right first and foremost, mm -hmm. you know. So I think if I had to tell somebody, to give somebody some advice today, I would just tell them to just do what you think is right. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes what you think is right and what I think is right, and I think that this is why he says that. He says that because my right, your right, right, it's not the same. Right. You, you dig what I'm saying? The world tries to teach us from all the same book. Mm -hmm. We can't learn from all the same book. Because mm -hmm. we, we're all different mm -hmm. human beings, you know, right. we're different people. So we each need our own um, teaching, our own uh, bit of advice mm -hmm. to give or to take. And so I think when he says that, it covers all the bases. That's why I like it. Because when he says, just do what's right, or what you think is right. And I think that that's, that's one of the best sayings that, you know, I could think of. It sounds simple and it sounds, but, you know, if you really think about it, it's saying a lot to do yeah. what's right. Because it's not that easy it's not. as you think. Right. You know, because we, we're pulled and swayed with so many vices yeah. Today. Well, and there's so many opinions out there, especially right. if you're on social media or someone right. is growing up. I feel bad for teenagers, Me really, too. because yeah. they're, I think oh, yeah. there's a message of confusion out there and, you oh, know, yeah. what yeah. is real and what is not, right. what, what right. they see on social media. Um, I want to go back to your first Community Quotes interview that you, you said something that, that really stood out, that as a child you saw this white light and you said periodically throughout your life you see it. Mm -hmm. What do you think the, that light is? Um, I mean, do you believe in the supernatural? Do you think that it's something um, from another spirit? or? I get chills sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that my wife still lives in my house with me because mm -hmm. I still live in the same house. And sometimes when I hear noises and stuff, I'd be like, Stephanie, what do you want? <laughs> It, one time I was talking to her and I thought it was her. It was my air condition went out. Costed me some money. I should have said, Stephanie, you should have warned me and tell me that the air condition was going. Maybe she was trying to tell me. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I think that, you know, we not alone. Mm -hmm. I feel not alone. I, I, I live by myself most of the time, but I'm never lonely. Mm -hmm. I'm never, uh, I'm always like with in company of something, mm -hmm. of some feeling, something, you know, is, is uh, I get chills at certain times and feel, you know, and I mean, that doesn't just come from, uh, something has to cause that, yeah. you know, for you to feel like that. 
And uh, so I don't want to say supernatural because I don't know what supernatural is. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I try not to touch on things that I don't understand and I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I know there's something other than man that runs my life. I pray a lot of people don't believe in God. I pray, I ask God things. It happens. Mm -hmm. Not many people can say that. I ask him, uh, you know, with a good heart and a good conscience, uh, God, can you help me with this and help me with that, you know? And mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes it might take a while, but sometimes it happens like right away. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's because uh, he just knows my fate. He know I believe. I believe. I believe in, in, in something that I cannot even see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what it is. I can't see it. It's that white light or whatever it is. I, I, I dream a lot. And I think in these dreams, messages in these dreams, but I, I, I'm no prophet. I can't figure them out. And so I kind of just ride them out. Like I told you about that philosopher who said that uh, dreams are like extension of your life. Mm -hmm. You'll see these things that happen in your dream one day. Well, I hope so, because I had a lot of dreams. <laughs> what do you dream about? Violence. Um, I'm always in weird places, like um, like uh, I'm captivated by some, or oh, I'm, I'm a captive, like I'm, I'm, I'm being threatened, or I'm being... Um, Captured, it's weird. It's just like it's always weird dreams. I'm always in weird places. Sometimes I'm playing music. Okay. Sometimes I'm um, I'm in dark places. Most of the time, most of the time I'm in dark places, hmm. and it's like I'll see faces, but then I won't see faces. And a lot of times, the stuff that I see in the dreams, sometimes it'll come back and happen to somebody in real life. But it wasn't the person that I saw happen to in the dream. Hmm. So I can't figure out dreams. That's one thing I've never been able to figure out. And I can't say I like them or I don't like them, but I know that, you know, sometimes they're nightmares, most of them. Hmm. You know, they're like, uh, some of them are horrific. They're like real bad. They call it cauchemar, bad sleep. That's what it means in French, I think. They say, uh, the old people say cauchemar. But it means cush mile, which means bad sleep in French. Hmm. And you have like the devil is like choking you. He's trying to kill you in your sleep or whatever. And I have those like dreams or something. Hmm. I don't know what they mean. I have them. I don't either. Yeah. And uh, they tell you pray. Start praying. Try to get him off you and different things. They say another person says much activity in your day through much activity of thinking or doing in your day will cause you dreams yeah everybody has like different you know like you said opinions there's so many different opinions of what dreams really mean but no idea i mm. wish i had somebody to interpret mine yeah <laughs> i wish i could remember them to tell them to somebody <laughs> so they can interpret them because you, you i can only remember them i guess as i get older i can only remember them in pieces you mm -hmm. know i don't remember them like you know uh piece for piece mm -hmm. yeah but Still dreaming, so I'm still, it's, it's just beautiful to wake up in the morning. You know, it's a great day. It is. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's uh, continue with the dream. Uh, if you could spend one day in someone else's shoes, uh, that's a hypothetical question, but mm -hmm. who would it be and why? In somebody else's shoes. 
um, I'd walk in both my grandkids' shoes mm -hmm. because sometimes you want to walk your kids through life for the mistakes that you made. And I remember one time I was at a baseball game and, and I watched these adults acting a fool. Now, this kind of was a little black and white thing. It was this kind of all-white team against, you know, our team, you know, mostly black team. I think we got a couple of white kids on our team. But anyway, and, and I watched this game one day, and it was almost a big fight break out over a call. And I watched my grandbaby start crying. And because, oh, she got a soft heart. You know mm -hmm. what they say? You got, she got a soft heart, you know, the old people say. And I wish that I could, you know, toughen her up. Mm -hmm. I could get inside her shoes, and I could, you know, and say, look, this is how you're supposed to do it, you know, like this, you know, because I got a soft heart too, mm -hmm. but I got, I got the best of both worlds. I got a soft heart, but I can be a handful too, <laughs> you know, and so if I had to walk in anybody's shoes, I would, I'd just like to walk in her shoes just for a while, mm -hmm. just to show her the ropes until she gets to where, because you, you feel for them and you want to, you want to hold their hands through life. Sure. You want to, you don't want them to have to endure some of this foolishness that goes on in the world right now. In school, you know, I think about them when they're at school or, or when they, you know, out in public and certain things because the world's not, like you said earlier, I feel for teenagers. They're not even teenagers yet. Right. And so I feel for them, you know, I think that's where most of my emotion and feelings go. And I think that's why there's so much just love thing pouring out of me now is because, you know, I want, you know, like kids to see we can love. We don't have to we don't have to do the hate thing. Um, one of the things that happened a long time ago in the world, and I don't know when the world came to that. You had to be bad to be good. Mm. You remember that? You remember mm -hmm. when the world flipped that switch? Yep. That switch ain't never flipped back. It's never flipped back. We need to flip that switch back to good is good and bad is bad. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, oh, man, that's bad, man. They really mean that that's good. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And if you're good, oh, you're a little good at two-shoe. You're, you know, and you, you, you're no good. Mm -hmm. uh, girls today, they want the guy that's bad, you know, the bad guy. To, and I, I guess that's, you know, a tough guy, somebody that can protect them is okay. Mm -hmm. you, but... To a certain extent, you know, um, we we need to flip that switch back, or, mm -hmm. or switch the flip. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Russell, we live in a Acadiana, and a popular saying here is "Laissez le bon temps rouler." Let the good, let the good times time roll. roll. How do you like to let the good times roll? Um, glass of Hennessy, <laughs> bottle of Guinness. Used to be herb. I had to stop smoking. Okay. Yeah, I wish I could. When I hit the that age, that retirement age, I will smoke again. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, but I uh, haven't smoked in a while. But you know, a good spliff, some um, some Hennessy. I keep it real. I will tell the truth. Love some it. Hennessy and uh, bottle of Guinness. Yeah. And and yeah, man, pretty girl. All right. Do you yeah. like to go out? Do you like to socialize? I don't like socializing too much. I actually hate crowds of people. Mm -hmm. And people said, I don't understand that, Russ, you're a musician. Yeah. And I said, but you know, a lot of times when I go out in the world, I used to tell this to Boozy all the time, I feel like one man walking against a million. Mm. 
because my ideals are not the same anymore. I used to be that man walking with the million going that way. Now I'm that man going this way and a million people going that way. We have different opposite opinions uh, about life. So I kind of like a quiet spot, you know, mm -hmm. like a little chill, cool, uh, quiet place. And I love movies. I cry. Okay. I still cry when I watch movies. What are some of your favorite movies? Oh, if you had to man. tell me I just watched Boys in the Hood the other night. Oh, that's a good one. Um, Is was, that your first time seeing it, or you've seen it? Oh, before? no, I've seen it before. I was yeah. crying watching NCIS New Orleans the other day when they were showing, because New Orleans is one of my favorite cities, mm -hmm. when they showed that little kid, his dad was had him selling PCP, mm -hmm. and the two little brothers, uh, the little brother, he was trying to take care of the little brother. That's all he was trying to do. He was a little foster kid. He's trying to take care of his little brother, and he was happy to see his dad back in his life, but his dad killed mm -hmm. the foster mom mm -hmm. and had him and his brother selling PCP. And he, the little brother, poor baby, he was so scared. And when they arrested the dad and they flipped him on the ground and they ran up to him, the cops, he put his hands in the air. Oh, and I started crying because that cop said, no, put your hands down, put your hands down. We didn't come here to arrest you. And he hugged him. And that was like, brought me to tears. That yeah. was, you know, I like stuff like that. So, yeah, you are, you are soft-hearted. Yes, I'm soft. I cry. I cry <laughs> during movies. That's some, uh, the Green Mile, I'll cry for the oh, big boy. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to cry for him. So many movies. I've seen so many movies that... Uh, I could go on about movies forever. I love it. That's like where I get a lot of my ideas from mm -hmm. is that when I'm not in writing season, right now I'm writing songs, but when I'm not in writing season and the songs are all written and the album is done, then I retreat to the television. Yeah. And I just watch TV. Yeah. And I just, you know, and I get lost in a movie. <laughs> yeah. I like sports too, my football and basketball. What kind of, okay. Who yeah, are you, I, your I play teams? ball. Uh, the Saints, New Orleans Saints. Yeah. yeah. New Orleans Saints, LA Lakers. Okay. Yeah, I like Now, were uh, you a Saints fan before they, they um, when I was won the Super Bowl? Eight years old, my dad bought me a New Orleans Saints uniform. Okay. Wish I still had that video. We used to have that little video on them reel to reel thing. You remember them little Super 8 millimeter yeah. uh, film? <laughs> I had, and I had that uniform on. Um, chasing, uh, we had a big white German Shepherd. He had came home, it was snowing. Yeah. His name was Snow. It was a Christmas day. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I had a Saints uniform, and I've been a Saints fan ever since then. Anybody who knows me, just don't tell Russ nothing bad about the Saints. Yeah. No. When I was growing I up, Orleans. being a Saints fan wasn't popular because they would lose. Oh, yeah, the bags so, on the head. I yeah. went through all that. I, went, I, I never lost. I, I, stood, I stood my <laughs> ground, yeah, and I waited. And when we won that Super Bowl, did I dance in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> Did I dance? I don't even know how to dance. I got two left feet, but I dance. Okay. Yeah, I dance. And um, uh, the basketball, you know, uh, the Pelicans, yeah. uh, Anthony Davis, that's one of my favorite players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been with AD since he got there. Gotcha. So I've been watching them. But I've been a Laker fan, like, for years, so following Kobe Bryant and stuff. I like good players. I just like, mm -hmm. if you're a good player, you know, I, I you know, I, I like LeBron. He's. Yeah. It took me a while. He grew on okay. me. Okay. You know, he grew on me. I, you I, mentioned a little earlier that you're a fan of New Orleans. What is your favorite thing in New Orleans? I love the food. The food is different from here. And you know, our food is good. Mm -hmm. And their food is good, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, my favorite place probably is House of Blues because I've been there. I've been to some good concerts there. Uh, Ziggy Marley, Steel Pose. Oh, uh, shoot, I saw something else there. I don't remember. But anyway, I've seen some great concerts, and then I'll eat at the little restaurant. Mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, Bourbon Street, I've been going there since I was a kid all my life. Mm -hmm. Me and my wife used to just take off big Wednesday afternoon or something. Babe, let's ride to New Orleans. And we just jump in the car. And yeah. When we shoot out, we can go hang out on Bourbon on a big Wednesday afternoon. And then we drive back that night. You Do know, you like so. to go to Mardi Gras in New Orleans? Never been to Mardi Gras in New Orleans, no. I used to, I used to like all those things as a kid, like mm -hmm. Mardi Gras and all that. But I've never been to New Orleans Mardi Gras. I used to like our Mardi Gras here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to always party for that. I guess as I got older, I just crowds just kind of turned me off a little bit. Yeah. But when I was young, Mardi Gras was real cool. I like all of Lafayette culture. I think our culture is uh, very diverse mm -hmm. and that it's a place where you could learn a lot about love and about people, mm -hmm. you know. Um, inside every culture, every place, you know, there's that hidden b bad thing, racism and hatred. We know that, mm -hmm. but you know, you kick that aside and we go eat you some good food with some good people, you know. Yeah. Uh, they dance the Zodico every week here somewhere. <laughs> you, you know, they're doing some foot stomping somewhere. There's a festival every other week. Right. Um, there's always something going on here. Mm -hmm. It's a very diverse culture and a great place to raise a child. It is. A kid. Is. You know, if you got children or a family, this would be the place to live. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people, but still small town. Mm -hmm. Yeah, favor, you know. All right, switching gears just a little bit. Do mm -hmm. you have any fears or phobias? Water. Water. Don't tell nobody. Like you're scared I of can't drowning? Swim. Oh, hell yeah. I'd be <laughs> dreaming about that. Sharks. I don't like sharks. Hey, just <laughs> last week I was standing up in Biloxi on top of that thing at the hotel and I could feel the water. I could feel the Gulf from Mexico. I was like, you know what? I'm getting off of this. You know, I, I caught that like, I was like, whoa. Like I was in a boat, but I was standing on concrete on a, on a, um, a balcony, a big old concrete balcony. And it was above the, it was the back of the hotel above the, the water. And it was like, man, that's, water is massive. Water is a massive strength. Well, you know, you're never too old to learn how to swim. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the bathtub's good enough for me. That's good enough because I could jump out. You know? <laughs> that's good. No, that's okay. Okay. And my son works offshore, so I don't oh. know how he do it. He in the middle of the Gulf somewhere right now. Yeah. And I don't, like, I, I take my hat off to him. I don't know how they do it, but yeah. I'm scared of water. Okay. Yes. All I'm right. scared of what God is going to do to me if I don't do the right thing now that I've learned so much more stuff. I've read the Bible three times now, and each time I get more and more insight mm -hmm. of what it is. Whether there is a great superpower above us or whatever, those are some of the great, whether or not there is, those are some of the greatest stories in the world. Mm -hmm. You got love, you got sex. You got violence. You got. I'd be like, why do you read the Bible? I said, anything you you want is in here. Mm -hmm. Murder. Yeah. Murder. Yeah. You got everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got everything in one book. Mm -hmm. And so, the more I read it, then the more you know. I you, I couldn't understand it from one reading because I is, didn't have the right frame of mind. What is your favorite passage from the Bible? I like King David. Uh -huh. Yeah, I like the stories of David and his. Thing. But then I've learned that, you know, I've started to like everything. I'm, I'm back in Genesis now, and I like Genesis. I like the story of Moses, Joseph, the story of Joseph, all those different things that uh, 
I, like I say, it's just, it's intriguing. It's great stories. If anything, it's some of the best stories to get you, um, to make you heartfelt, you know, mm -hmm. to make you understand what family is, what love is, what, you know, what you might have to go to war for, you know, what you might have to kill for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to make you understand that. And that everything, sometimes doing the right thing, remember we talked about that a while ago, isn't always the right thing. Mm. Isn't all, doing the right thing isn't always what's right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just doing what's right for you. Yeah. Russell, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Oh, man, that's a good one. I like that because I'm on my, I'm three years, two years into my five-year plan. I'll make a five-year plan. Okay, what's your five-year plan? Oh, my five-year plan started two years ago, and it's going to take me to 62. Uh, I got three years left. I'll be 59 coming up here in April, and I'll uh, have three years left, and I quit working. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want my money from the government. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I'm going to smoke herb yet, but I'm going to probably work another uh, part-time or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, my five-year plan was to uh, take care of some personal things in my life, get all those affairs in order, work on my health. I've been doing okay. And uh, work on my eating habits because I'm greedy. I like to eat and it messes with my health sometimes sure. because uh, diabetes kind of runs in our family a little bit. And um, to have all those things in order and to get to 62 and hopefully the government has my money and they can give me a 70% uh, retirement check and I can get the rest when I get 66. Mm -hmm. So that would be the 10 years almost, you know, that would be, uh, yeah, that would be close to it. So in 10 years, I figure, um, hopefully still active. Um, I used to play sports all the way up to probably when I was 52 maybe, probably about maybe four years ago I mm -hmm. stopped playing sports and it changed my health and it changed my life. Sure. Yeah, because I used to run a couple of miles every week and I'd play back. I love basketball. Mm -hmm. I'd shoot 100 shots like Kobe, I tell him. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to the park, shoot me 100 shots like Kobe and run me a couple of miles. And being a diabetic uh, of diabetic, you know, type, mm -hmm. Uh, that family uh, exercise is one of the best cures for diabetes yeah. in the right diet. And mm -hmm. so I'm working on that, trying to get back into exercise and back into eating the right thing. But in Lafayette, man, it's so hard. It is. It's hard. They got good food everywhere, and everybody cook, you know. And I cook. So. Do you? What do you like to cook? Um, rice and meat and gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the thing. That's Rice, meat, and gravy, a little yeah. corn, a little beans or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like to eat. So 10 years, I want to be healthy, er, still exercising, still walking on my own two feet, because in 10 years, I'll be 68, still walking on my own two feet and taking care of myself and still paying my own way through life and nobody giving me anything. Mm -hmm. I want to be still independent. Now I'm independent. I do my own thing, and I love it. I think it's the way we all should be. Yeah. 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 Well, we're nearing the end of the interview. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you would like to talk about? Well, I, I would just like to say something. Yeah. I would like to say that 
you asked me to do this interview. This is part of love. This is what love should should look like and should start like. You asked me to do this interview. I emailed you back and you said, oh, you already did one. But you emailed me back and said, do you want to do another one? Yeah. So you held me in importance that I had something still to say that was important, and that's love. Mm. You know, you held me in that, and that made me say I got the chills. That oh. made me feel good. Me and too. AOC is is great at that, you know, at making you know me feel, me and other people too, feel good and important in this community and in this culture. Like you say, we live in this Acadiana culture. Uh, uh, AOC has helped me to live up to that importance in this culture, in family, in music, in um, being a parent, you know, it's a great thing. It's where love starts. Love starts with what you did. Oh. Because you could have just said, okay, Russ, uh, uh, you did one already, or we got some other people, but you, you, you held me in importance, and I thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's thank what I, I wanted to say. Thank, thank you, you Mary. Appreciate and it. It was real nice to meet you. You too. Podcast is produced by AOC Community Media. Contributors include Mary Bodwin, Ed Bowie, Lillian Dejon, Annette Diaz, Joe Boosie Ferguson, Joseph Clisannon, William McFarland, Matt Roberts, Skip Shannon, Christy Tracy, Jasmine Tillery, Jacob White, and Shahid Williams. Music in today's episode, The Long Goodbye by John Pazdan. AOC Community Media is located at the Rosa Parks Transportation Center, 101 Jefferson Street, Suite 100, Lafayette, Louisiana, 70501. For more information, go to our website at aocinc.org, call 337-232-4434, or email info at aocinc.org. Until next time, stay informed and engaged.